Okay, so that was a bit longer than the month-long break that we promised, but... I mean, you made a movie, so... There's that. But no, so we're, we're back from the holidays. We are talking about the Oscars. The Oscars happened last week. Uh, honestly, some surprises uh, were there. I, I, I thought everything all at once. I thought everything everywhere all at once. There we go. I thought it would do well. I didn't expect it to sweep. I feel a little bit vindicated because a couple of people were saying, it, uh, were saying it was the most awarded film besides Return of the King. Return of the King has kept its crown. Mm -hmm. uh, Return of the King is still the officially most awarded movie of all what time. Was it 10? They have 10? 11. 11. They both won 11, but um, the Return of the King took every category for which it was nominated. Ooh. Like, Return of the King was a sweep. But Everything Everywhere at Once, I believe, won 11 Academy Awards. It, certainly, uh, it, it was certainly nominated swept. for 11. It won seven of them. Okay. It certainly swept, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I mean, good on them. I really enjoyed that film, what we talked about it before. There's been, however, some some discourse. <laughs> which I which uh, I thankfully have been sheltered from. My entire social media feed is is primarily memes about Ki Hui Kwan and Harrison Ford reuniting. Um and then adorable interviews of eleven year old Ki Hui Kwan and then videos of like Michelle Yeoh's family celebrating her win so it's all very wholesome on my corner of the internet but from aaron's corner of the internet first of all ki hui kwan that's how you pronounce it i had to look it up but that is i think ki hui kwan it's vietnamese oh i was also surprised to find that he is he is ethnically chinese but he's from vietnam um okay. so that's why he in his speech mentioned being um one of the boat people um so he you know came to the united states as a refugee I will say most of my my feed has been sweet things about him. Actually, primarily about him because I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. So everyone's like, short round won an Oscar, mm -hmm. and I and like there I've been trying to become a more positive person. And he has that really great quote. You know, I'm I can't remember it exactly from the movie where it's like I am not positive and optimistic because I'm naive but because it's effective or something to that. Oh, because right, it's necessary. It's strategic. Yeah, and it's necessary. Yeah. I've been seeing that going around a lot, and I'm like, that's a really it's good. Really like, I forget. But there have been some some takes that we'll we'll discuss as um. This is what draws us out of our cave, by the way. Like this is what causes us to come back and to continue doing this podcast. Like, someone posted a spectacularly bad take, oh, and we must oh. get on our microphones now. Oh, it's not just someone. When we get to the take, all right. It's, it's it's priceless. Um, other uh, other other Oscar controversies, quote unquote, they're the controversies of the week, right? Yeah, there honestly uh, it was a very controversial compared to last year's Oscars. This was a very controversy free <laughs> Oscars. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Last year's Oscars were my favorite Oscars <laughs> because literally the day after the Oscars, I was teaching social psychology of aggression, and the punch happened. The timing could not have been better. And I literally was like, I'm going to go redo my slides right now. Do I care that it's like one in the morning? I do not. I get up my 9 a.m. Nothing livens up on 9 a.m. class. like going, aggression. And then there's just a <laughs> of, of Chris Rock getting slapped. That's how and you I'm get like, teacher of the year right this. there. I, I did win teacher of the year. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Are you serious? You actually won yeah. teacher? I won teacher. I won. I won uh, to the teacher appreciation award. Yeah, What's that? We, don't, we don't. We don't have official te te teacher of the year. Nor did they say because of memes. 
Um, but we all know that's why. So um, other controversies involve Brendan Fraser's The Way. Well, first of all, Brendan Fraser won Best Actor. That is not a controversy. Right. That is not a controversy. That is a sweet and delightful thing. Everyone is just like like Brendan Fraser is like he's he's like the new Keanu Reeves almost in some ways, and that like he's just another like just wholesome guy. He's working the past. real hard, and yeah, and, and having a love great him. comeback moment. And and when will they make the Mummy Four? And the, but but he, the whale also won best makeup, and some people are getting really pissy about that. And then there's some discussion about Black Panther two, which I have actually now seen. Uh, I, and uh, I'll just put it this way: I didn't intend for it to be a movie that I kept on in the background while I worked, and, my, and I only kept on because my father-in-law wanted to watch it. But that is uh, that is what it became. Um, the best thing I can say for it is that it wasn't Thor 4, which I only watched out of sheer anger. <laughs> and I will rage. say, okay, having also seen Black Panther 2 and, and having done some reading on it, that film underwent drastic changes for, for obvious reasons. Like oh, it, yeah, there was a yeah. whole different script that was, I, I believe, already like beat out, written, ready to go, and then... Chadwick Boseman passed and so they had to retool the entire film um so I don't love that movie but I think it dealt with his death respectfully I think they they wove that in well and as well as they could and then like still tried to make a movie around it which was unnecessary I mean they were in a crap situation mm -hmm. and I couldn't I can't I honestly didn't hate it, um, but then people are talking about, and again, they're talking about it because it's the internet, and I have a Twitter now, and I'm semi-active on it, and I was like, oh, this, I can feel this making me into a worse person, <laughs> and Twitter is not a place where you, it's not a place or a system where you, that you inhabit or use if you want to be a good human being, so obviously this is just people on Twitter so we can take it with a grain of salt but that being said people are saying that you know oh it's racist that Jamie Lee Curtis won instead of Angela Bassett for Black Panther Jamie Lee Curtis won for everything everywhere all at once um, and there's a lot of dialogue around that that I think is also worth kind of discussing um, other parts interesting things that have happened um, Elvis didn't what was what was the actual name of the Elvis movie it's just the Elvis movie it was just called Elvis that shows you how much I care about Elvis <laughs> or that movie. I mean, people really, I haven't seen that film. Um, people really enjoyed it. It sounds, I'm not surprised that it didn't win. Like, I'm not surprised Austin Butler didn't win in that. I know he seems to have worked very hard to the point of picking up a whole nother accent. There are a lot of jokes on the internet about how, like, he's going to magically lose this stuck accent the second the Oscars are over, like watch him magically recover his normal voice. Cause he's been speaking in an Elvis accent this entire award season claiming like it's stuck now. That's insufferable. Um, <laughs> that is it is insufferable. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't doubt that that can happen. I was one of those kids where like, I did that. I, I came home talking like my friends and I didn't know I was doing it. I got stuck in it, but I was like five. Well, it's called, um, first of all, that's called the chameleon effect. Psychologically, it's a thing that actually happens. What doesn't happen, and I looked into this because 
it made it was they're talking about Austin Butler and like his psychological trauma and I'm like great we have another Jared Leto I know I'm so worried like let's not encourage this but that's please. the moral imperative Austin Butler couldn't win anything because we cannot encourage Jared Leto to be continue being Jared Leto um at least Daniel Day Lewis is Daniel Day Lewis this the man has like when he's in right. a movie you know he's getting nominated for best actor Austin Butler I'm like right. I literally don't know a single film he's done besides Elvis he's relatively new and like to his credit, he has made a huge splash. There were a lot of people rooting for him, but he's frankly too young for the Oscars to actually give him an award. They only like giving awards to older folks, um, which is going to the Jamie Lee Curtis thing, a big part of why I think they gave her that one. Because at that point, that was less about her specific performance in one movie, which she gives an excellent performance in Everything Everywhere, but it's not really big enough. Like if you compare her to say, Ki Hui Kwan's win, they're winning for the same type of category, supporting actor. But when you think about the amount of weight that Ki Hui Kwan is pulling versus the amount of weight that her character is pulling, it's nowhere near the same. So that award is really for her, in, in my mind, more of a legacy award. They're awarding her for all of the work and time and effort she's put into the industry, particularly in a genre of film. And she mentioned it in her speech. She mostly worked, she started out as a screen. Yeah, queen, she's still right? kind of like, and, and she's mostly worked in that horror genre space that Hollywood does not celebrate at the Oscars. So that was, I mean, that was a good way to spin her speech as well as to be like, I'm speaking up for this kind of a sort of a, a, a genre minority in a sense. But people were upset in that, look, if this was going to be a legacy award, if this was going to be less about a specific movie and more about just awarding you for your years of service, so to speak, Angela Bassett is about the same age and deserves the same amount of of praise, if not more. And if anything, in her film, she pulled a lot of weight. Um, it was an arguably, it was a much worse film. It was, you know, it was a Marvel sequel. Um, but she did pull a, an amazing amount of weight to the point where like a good third of the trailer for that movie is just her performance. Like the trail, the people cutting the trailers for Black Panther 2 understood who was the powerful performance in this film. And it was not, um, it was not Shuri. It was definitely the Queen Mother. What I'm about to say is nothing, uh, not meant as a reflection of Angela Bassett's performance at all, because I would agree with everything you just said. What I think I find insufferable about it is, first of all, the Clark cries of racism. And I'm like, guys, mm -hmm. we live in a nation where the police, like, are however many times more likely to kill you if you're black. Um, can we focus on things that matter and stop trying to do Simone Biles level mental gymnastics to say that, yes, Angela Bassett winning the not or not winning the Oscar is a strike or a blow against or for racial equality, uh, as opposed to like, if you want to make a difference with racial relations in this country, which I absolutely think we need to work on. You are not making a difference here. You are value signaling. You are saying, I have the correct opinion, and thus I have value, and thus I feel safe because now I can't be attacked. And I find that obnoxious. I refuse to call it virtue signaling because virtue doesn't enter the discussion. It's, it's all about – this is about <laughs> value. This is about – I am a valuable member of society. Mm -hmm. um, I also find that I, I have been forced to learn – I've been forced to learn a lot of things recently. I've, I've hit 30 now, and uh, besides the fact that my hangovers last for like a week – uh, I'm also finally old enough that I get to learn things about the youth and also things the youth think. So, for example, if you have you heard of Borgs? You have Zoomer siblings too. Have you heard of Borgs? You take Borgs? A, you take a I gallon of water, you pour out half of it, you pour in vodka, you put in some Mio, 
you oh, name ew. it. Yes, I did. Yeah, hear and they're about like, it. we invented this, and I'm like, it's crappy jungle juice. And they're like, no, no, we, we we are being health conscious. And I'm like, did you just say the word health conscious about something you pour a fifth of vodka into? Wait, so they just put water in vodka? Water, vodka, so just- and mio, mio, like the water additives. And sometimes caffeine. Ew. Yeah. Wait, so they just water down vodka? Yes. Instead of just drinking vodka? Or like seltzer or high noon or beer. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm like, why? Zoomers. But uh, one of the things I've been interested in is the concept of a Nepo baby. And that's been answering Mm -hmm. a lot of the Jamie Lee Curtis discourse because she is a Nepo baby. And I believe she has a child who's a Nepo baby. I don't know. As in she's – her parents were actors? Her, or her parents helped her break into the field in some way, shape, or right. form. But like look, Nicolas Cage is also a Nepo baby. I'm going to put my foot down on this. I do not believe Nepo baby is a bad thing and you should not be shamed for that. If anything, you should be shamed for not helping your kids. I think Nepo baby as a term should be used only for like the Kardashians. And Francis People Qu- who have – And Francis Ford Coppola's daughter being in The Godfather 3. Not her directing career – just right. that role. Just the fact that she's yeah. So I think for me, nepo baby is supposed should mean should mean, and I'm not saying that that's what it does mean. Should mean somebody who has like no actual talent, and the only reason they're there is because their parents are wealthy and and connected. If you are actually a person with talent, no doubt you are helped by having parents who are in the industry, and it's you know good to acknowledge that there is a certain amount of privilege that comes with it. But it doesn't mean you're crap. Like it doesn't mean you're bad. There's a psychologist up at Harvard or Yale, some Ivy League, Paul Bloom is his name. And he talks about the fact that he's like, prejudice is good, moral, and healthy. And his example for this is he's like, because psychologically, when we talk about prejudice, we mean behaving towards a person only because of their group membership. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you're in a burning building. I use this with my students all the time. They get mad at me and I'm like, suck it. I'm like, you know, if you're in a burning building and your choices are like a family member or a stranger, who are you going to save? The family member. I'm like, right. And if somebody chose the stranger instead of the family member, we'd assume there's something immoral and wrong about them, right? Yeah. So we're okay with prejudice. Now we're just debating where what group membership matters, and that's mm-hmm. a valid debate to have. I am like I'm like absolutely. I think racial prejudice is gross and disgusting and wrong, but when you're talking about family, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I have no problem with somebody in the industry saying, "Oh, you want to work in my industry? Sure, I'll help you out." Like that, that like, we would judge. I, w- I think a parent right. should be judged for not doing that. I mean, and our whole industry operates on people helping people out. Every right. like does. so much of so much of what Hollywood in particular is is that somebody knows somebody who can say a word, mm-hmm. right? Somebody knows somebody who can put in a good word for you, and whether or not they're family or just like a friend or a friend of a friend, or they went to the same school as you, or they happen to be of your particular cultural group, like you use what you can. <laughs> And we all do it shamelessly. It's called networking. Like academia yeah. is very similar. It's not just. And some of us are, are, you know, privileged enough to happen to have some of that network as part of, you know, our blood relations. Or we happen to have very well connected friends. Like that's great. Yeah. It's no excuse for being crappy. Um, but I, and, but and... I think it's, 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 there should not be shaming of people who do that either. I'm like that's just called leveraging what you right. have. Right. Like, also, it's not like Jamie Lee Curtis became like Kate Blanchett. <laughs> like, no, that's a bad analogy. I, th- career... I think even that's a bad analogy in some ways. Like, it's not like she because like Kate, even Kate Blanchett. I'm not sure the average person on the street would recognize that name. They'd recognize some of her characters. 
I guess what I'm saying is it's not like Jamie Lee Curtis made it into mainstream, oh. like, cinema. No, she's been in, like, the closest she came is Knives Out and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Exactly. So I think, give yeah, give them a woman a break. If you want to go be mad at somebody for being an Epo baby, go be mad at Nicolas Cage. Who, to his credit, has also tried very hard to get away from that. But this man is like, you know, I don't remember if he has Oscars, but he was nominated for multiple Oscars at various points in his life. Wait, Nicolas Cage has? Yeah. He was in serious movies once upon a time. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, he has an Academy Award. For what? Leaving Las Vegas in 1996. I was four. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is he was—he okay. he got fair, a lot fair, of the fair, 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 at certain points in his life. Fair, 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 and and I'm sure his upcoming Renfield movie will I am be so a source for that. of more. Um, but yeah, no, the Napo baby discourse like around Jamie Lee Curtis, the Angela. Like, if you want, if you want to say that, hey, I'm sad Angela Bassett didn't win it, and that that just kind of sucks for her. That's great. But I, I see a lot of people personalizing it, and that's where I just kind of get mad because there's another psychology thing. It's called burging. It stands for basking in reflected glory. This was actually one Ooh, of one of that's a new term for me. Oh, this is one of the concepts that made me want to do social psych social psych when I was an undergrad because and you'll you, burging. Burging. And you'll relate to this because I was like, you mean how homeschool moms put their entire identity into their children? You mean that? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, it's like, like, because it's the entire idea is you gain self esteem and self confidence from associating with an individual of status, uh, or sometimes individuals of status. So, like, I mean, and we all do. I really it. like this. We all do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I watched the Super Bowl, my first full football game, and I watched it with my wife and my father in law. I was rooting for the Eagles. And when the Eagles lost, I definitely felt something, and it was not positive. And when the Eagles looked like they were going to win, I was like, yeah, we're doing it. What's this we crap? I can't play football. I had to have my wife explain the rules to me for the entirety <laughs> of the Super Bowl. I was like, are they doing well? <laughs> it was not, are we winning, wife? Uh, it was not good. Uh, so it's, it's, this is not me – but but I'm getting some self-esteem out of this. We all do it. We're 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 a wonderful species that's equal parts individualist and collective. But when you we, what you see, I think, is a lot of people doing that with actors and then combining it with social causes. Well, it's that parasocial relationship mm-hmm. as well, Dan. Right, where it's we, especially in the over the last decade or so, I feel like we've been taught to identify extremely strongly with famous people. Of our particular cultural group yeah um or just like famous people we happen to know about right like i mean the whole reason the k-pop industry is succeed is succeeding as well as it is is because they have done such a great job of building these really strong parasocial bonds like they have they're those those kids are not just singing they're recording all of these like practice videos they're recording dance practice videos they're recording videos of them eating lunch and goofing around and that's what allows audiences to feel like oh we're part of this and they always talk about how our fans are so valuable to us they're the reason we do what we do blah 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 so you feel like you're part of that team and so their wins are your wins and and their losses are your losses and and we do that with celebrities as well i mean i'm not gonna lie I, like kiwi Kong gave a speech i cried like a baby all my asian friends also cried like babies um it's it feel I mean it, like I think a bunch of the a whole lot of posts uh, on on social media that I saw after the Oscars were 
a lot of my Asian friends celebrating how seen they felt and how much how we had done it. And it was like, yes, obviously, I personally have not done anything to help any of those folks win. But I do still feel like their win is my win. And I understand when people feel that way. It gets scary when when the negative feeling of a loss turns into some sort of of a bullying action. Um, well, I I think the thing is like first of all, I want to clarify: burging is not bad. It's not an inherently mm-hmm. bad thing. It is a natural psychological tendency that can go bad. Well, I think what you're describing about Kihui Kwan is 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 positive, right? Community mm-hmm. member has made it, and with a community member making it we've all made it in a sense like that's kind i mean that's just that's just an immigrant story that's been and that's been becoming more and more a part of i mean it's still a part of like uh of the american experience in a lot of cultures i mean hell um steven spielberg just made a movie that was kind of like kind of like that um right like that that that's a healthy form of burging what i find you know, when I learned about bridging as an undergrad and then in, uh, you know, my first social psych classes in grad school, we learned about the opposite of bridging being what's called corfing. They're such fun words. They sound like well, video game <laughs> curses. They're, they're acronyms. C-O-R-F, cutting off reflected failure. There we go. And mm-hmm. the idea of corfing as the antonym or ant, uh, opposite of, of bridging is that corfing is what you do when you disassociate from low status individuals. Mm. But something I think that, and that, well, uh, hold on, rewind. Corfing was generally taught as the, the negative and, uh, you know, thing related to burging. But I think what we're seeing now is that there's another form of negative relations to burging, and that's personalizing things against the person or group whose glory you are basking in and taking collective-based, collective-based revenge. Like, mm-hmm. like, or, or, or at the very least, getting angry and experiencing. I'm like, what, what, what positive, fe- what positive outcome is there that you're getting mad that Angela Bassett didn't win? Like I said earlier, how are you helping race relations in the country uh, by saying, "Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis winning is 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 racism"? Right. I, I think it's it's perfectly fine to say I'm disappointed Angela Bassett didn't win. Like, yeah. I personally am a little disappointed that Angela Bassett didn't win because I think she's a phenomenal actress. Um, but you know, I'm not saying mean things to people about it. And there will always be some people on the internet, especially on Twitter, who are going to say mean things when stuff doesn't go their way. And that's Twitter. I mean, that's social media in general. It's like, uh, as, as the great psychological genius, Dan Harmon exposited in his, in his (laughs) opus, Meow Meow Beans, the episode of Community. (laughs) Human <laughs> beings will do a lot for a very small amount of currency, uh, including likes and retweets. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is also just reactants. It's just like, oh, well, because like some people are saying, oh, Stephanie Su, uh, Sue, am I pronouncing that correctly? Shoe, probably. Stephanie Shoe, um, she's also been thrown forward. Well, she should have won it. And honestly, I'm like, yeah, I actually kind of see the case for her over. Again, Jamie she is, she does make a much bigger impact in the film. She has more screen time, I believe, than Jamie Lee Curtis does. She and does. Is doing I'd almost argue she would probably be competing more with Michelle Yeoh than she would be with. I think so. I think the only reason she's not competing in that, well, I think 
No, because she's not the protagonist. Yeah, exactly. She's the antagonist. Right. So like that's right. That's but the I think if anything, yes, yeah, she. I mean, she was nominated, I believe. Um, but everyone kind of knew she wasn't going to get it because she's too young. I think she was in. Uh, no, Which I think she was only nominated for best supporting actress. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, she was yeah. nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but no one's surprised that she didn't oh, get okay. it because she's too young. It's the same prejudice. And and one can argue that it is a prejudice um, that we have against Austin Butler as well. It's just, just they're too young to win. I mean, Timothy Chalamet, too young to win. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's just a – that's just the Oscars, the Academy's culture, and that's just sort of how they've done awards for ages and ages is that they won't really award younger actors because there's a sense in which – you haven't earned it yet, and it may be it's a fluke. And you can argue ageism um, is a factor in that. I mean, maybe. I mean, we're a weird form of ageism in some ways because it's there is ageism on uh, yeah, but in both directions. Yeah, it's discrimin- <laughs> anti-young discrimination. We don't remember right. Weirdly, that's a when thing. it comes to the academy, most of them are older folks, and so therefore the ageism tends to skew away from ageism against elderly folks and more ageism against younger people yeah i can see that and and i, I mean i don't, I don't know because ki hui kwan won and he's been yeah. he, like this is his first major role since short round in mm-hmm. in an, in, a, in in indiana jones 2 so i mean again like i i definitely i i can see being disappointed somebody else didn't win i guess i just don't see the point of 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 getting all moralistic about it and i think that's not healthy for discourse yeah Uh, and speaking of bad discourse but staying on the per on the um on the topic of everything everywhere all at once um yeah I'm, i'm if i can wax um obnoxious for lack of a Dude, better way of putting it uh, you know one of the fundamental psychological uh motivations we have is to reduce uncertainty and that can mean that having constants in life is just so reassuring and for me in the last couple you're just, of you're years, just savoring the wine that's why i said i'm waxing obnoxious the last like three years four years um my psychological constant is that if i need somebody to have just a bad take and i want a punching bag for my bad take ben shapiro is just there <laughs> maybe it's I, I everyone's like a lot of people in my classes like why do you have a thing for ben shapiro against ben shapiro and i'm like well first of all because if i'm talking about the arguments that are against criminal justice reform they a lot of the ones i'm talking about all come back to him because he thinks he understands stats and he doesn't uh but Second of all, maybe it's just short Jewish guy doesn't like other short Jewish guy black sheep effect. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, come on, we're supposed to be a club. Admittedly, I'm still like four inches taller than you at the very least. But is this corking? This would yeah, this is more black sheep effect because it would be low status, and he definitely is higher status than me. Um, but he, he like there were a lot of trash takes, and I actually I did pick him because I felt he embodied a lot of the trash takes I saw and everything everywhere all at once. People saying, this is a terrible, why did it win? It was an awful film. It was just a terrible hodgepodge. It was basically a Marvel movie. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Marvel movies are not good <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> like, um, but um, if I'm reading his quote, in five years, nobody will watch everything everywhere all at once. The movie is meh. It is overlong at two, uh, two hours and 19 minutes, exclamation point confused and has he seen movies recently they're all two hours 19 minutes oh this gets worse this gets worse 
Okay. It is over long. Two hours and 19 minutes, exclamation point. Confused and generally bizarre. In fact, nobody has watched a single Best Picture winner five years later since 2007's No Country for Old Men. And I'm like, spend five minutes on Tumblr and you tell me those people haven't been watching The Shape of Water at a level that frankly alarms me personally and professionally. (laughs) (laughs) But also like... What, that is um that that is that is a trash take, Benjamin. That is a trash take. But it gets better because people have been pointing out because the internet always remembers. Uh, first of all, he's a failed screenwriter. His first attempt at a job right. outside of law school, before even becoming a lawyer, was trying to become a screenwriter. And he's like, I I, I didn't get a job because I was persecuted for being conservative. And I'm like, okay, but like. One of my best friends. Buddy, I know plenty of conservative screenwriters. Yeah. Also, like there, there's the entire, um, you know, oh crap, I'm forgetting his name. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Ugh. Um, Jen is gonna be so mad at me. Alec Baldwin. No, the the well, yeah, yeah, he's the actor, but um, the uh, the 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 writer of that. Jen, I should David Mamet. David Mamet. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen, I'm sorry, I forgot your favorite screenwriter. If you're listening. But yeah, David Mamet's really conservative and has kind of always been. And he's done, I mean, literally, he wrote Glengarry Glen Ross and mm-hmm. he wrote the film for it. Um, he, but, but Ben's really been trying, he's also a failed movie producer because his movies are just like, even conservatives don't like them. But I think the most damning thing I've seen in response to this. Because I don't like follow him just to get angry. Like I'm like, if he has a particularly bad take, I am made aware of. I will be ticked off. But I don't follow him on social media. But somebody tweeted, "Rise of Skywalker fan thinks a two-hour and nineteen-minute movie is overlong and confused." And somebody's like, "Come on, man, don't slander Ben like that. There's no way." But allow me to quote <clears throat> his review of the two. <laughs> hour and 22 minute movie star wars (laughs) the rise of skywalker just saw rise of skywalker everyone is wrong the movie is mostly nostalgia packed joy if you love the original star wars you should be grateful to jj abrams for attempting to right his own wrongs and force awakens in the travesty that is last jedi man who liked rise of skywalker (laughs) if i'm not mistaken that was another highly politicized movie Right, because there was a whole, there was a big conservative liberal divide after Last Jedi. I remember that. Like, for some reason, I think it was a forced one because I think there were. It was forced, but for some reason, it was there. Like everyone was. It's reactants. Determine people's political perspectives based on whether or not they liked the Last Jedi. That was the idea. Well, that the thing was, why didn't they like the Last Jedi? Because and that and, and that would be worth its own discussion. Because I I will fully admit I hate the Last Jedi. Absolutely despise I, it. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, but I also think that people who are mean to Kelly Miller, Kelly Marie Tran should jump in a lake. Like it's nothing. I'm like also that I can hate her character, and I'm like actually one of the reasons I hate her character so much is I'm like that's a very talented actress. You just wasted that character on yeah. um thank you oh john boyega is also a very talented actor you screwed him over oh, as well like yeah like, i just saw him in um uh one of my, my my friend abby um directed breaking this past year which is a movie that john boyega is in about um i'm forgetting his name and that's terrible but this this i think he was a veteran who held up a with a with a bomb oh yeah, um, yeah demanding his money from the va and it, it was a really really powerful film but 
John Boyega was so transformed in it. I actually watched an early cut of the film. I watched it without realizing it was John Boyega. I got through the entire film, got to the end credits, and it said John Boyega. And I was like, no, really? <laughs> because he was so completely transformed. And all I had seen him in was a not very good job in Star Wars. Like, just not great lines, not a great character that he got to play. And when he's finally given, like, the stage and given a, a meaty character where he can really play, you're, he's a completely different person. Yeah, and he's been very open with that. So, like, when I say I hate The Last Jedi, it's not – there there, were, there was – it was honestly really unfair from both sides because people were like, oh, you like The Last Jedi, you're probably a, some sort of leftist commie. And I'm like, well, people are allowed to like bad things. And it's like, you dislike – you must be, like, you must be a, you know, hardcore conservative. And I'm like – no, it's just no, it's just not it's not even good. a reflection on Ryan Johnson. It's just bad as a sequel and it's bad as right. a, Ryan Johnson makes great other movies. Just not this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rise of Skywalker, like I've seen The Last Jedi four times. There are things I can appreciate about it. The cinematography is really good. Um, there's he we should do. Well, we're going to I presume we're going to cover Andor. Oh, yeah, we're going to cover. Andor. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we can I'm talk very a little glad. bit about it. But, Look out for that, folks. But I, at some point, we could maybe do a retrospective and really get into. There are now officially new Star Wars movies released, uh, being released. So why not? But yeah. Rise of Skywalker. I I just remember my wife and I walking out of it, and I was going, I never want to see that again. I was really determined to enjoy it because I was like, look, this is the last one. I need to have a good time, and also I know John Williams is making a cameo, and I want to see that. Um, and. So- you know what? I, I think I tried to have a good time and I don't remember very much about it and I'm probably not going to go back. I had a good time when I was in the theater. I did. Yeah. I had a good time exactly. with it, and but like, it's not I a think good right movie. after, I was like, I'm just not going to pick this movie apart because I know what will happen if I pull one Jenga block out of this. All of it comes crashing down. Yeah. So that tells you what I think about Ben Shapiro's opinions on everything everywhere all at once. But there have been a few other people making that case. And this is to me. And there is always like a huge it's, amount it's, of it's oh. need to feel special. It's it's just it's just look at me. It's reactance. The idea of of me going along with the popular thing makes me feel threatened because I am not special anymore. So here am I, big boy. With my, you know, energy and and spreading it around, showing, hey, look at me. I don't like the popular thing. Am I not cool? And it's not even like everything, everywhere, all at once is that popular of a thing. It's not like it's it's Iron Man and this is your hot take where Marvel movies suck, actually. Right? Like, everything, everywhere, all at once is a dingy little, like, really, not dingy, but, like, really, really low-budget super scrappy their editing team or their vfx team was like five people which is kind of unheard of um also like they they were an incredibly small scrappy production and frankly up until oscar season i think a lot of people hadn't seen it yeah well and also like you could even see that looking at their effects which i do think are hilarious and still hold up but the whole friggin like the rakakuni Oh, yeah. No, that's like it's, it's such a that, that is goofy the, animatronic. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, gosh, not since like the original Star Wars or like a Muppet movie have I seen something so friggin' janky looking. But like in a good way, it's gloriously right. janky. And that's their that's their whole M.O. I mean, if, if y'all haven't seen it, audience of like six people that listen to this, um, if y'all haven't seen it, like turn down for what? Yeah. These are the these are the directors of the Turn Down for What music video, which 
if you're if you're a little bit sensitive, maybe don't. Um, if you don't want to get your face melted off, maybe don't watch this music video. But it is one of the most like I, I was gonna say <clears throat> to the wall, and I was like maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, it is it is one of the most extreme music videos. It's a big part of why Turn Down for What was as popular of a song as it was was because the music video for it was just so out of this world weird. Yeah, which is the, actually I think one of the last times that happened for a song in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. So these are I mean these are the odd scrappy filmmakers who did that. And, and, one of the directors is the main guy in the Turn Down for What video. <laughs> And also just because he couldn't oh. get anybody else to do it, and he felt really awkward being on camera. But they were like, "Daniel, no one else is going to do this the way that you want to do it. Would you like to just get in there and pelvic thrust your way to glory?" <laughs> a lot of these these reviews, I'm like, "Did you miss the point? I think you missed the point. It's a woman versus it's a small business owner versus the IRS. Conservatives, what more do you want? <laughs> what do you What do you want? The bad guy um, is the IRS. The IRS is shown as having butt plugs as their award for employee of the month. That is literally one of the jokes in this movie. Like if you're actually small government, which most conservatives aren't, um, this is your film. Like to, okay. To be fair, I'm going to try to be the voice of reason. Um, I, I do have people that I'm close to people who are very liberal, who really love movies, who watch everything everywhere all at once and did not love it. Like, and that is completely legitimate. For you to not love this movie or not get it or have trouble with it, it runs very fast, right? And it, it goes, it, it goes all over the place. It is a lot to take in as a film, so it is completely understandable if you personally had trouble with it. Yeah, that's fine. Don't say it's a bad film, though. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like Citizen Kane, but I'm not about to say like, uh, you know, uh, uh, literally like almost every film critic in history is wrong. And I am correct. That's the, I mean, that's the interesting thing, just to take this like way out for a bit. Like, that's a very interesting thing about art, right? Is like art is sort of like the, the quality of art is kind of decided a little bit collectively. And so, and it's just decided by people's opinions. It's not decided, there's no, there's no physical way to measure the quality of art. And so it is subjective. And so people are allowed to have different opinions on it. And it can be, jarring and, and, and scary when you're like, oh, I didn't like this, but why does everyone else like it? I have, um, I think I shared this the last time, but my dad watched Everything Everywhere and he called me after. Did I tell you this no. story? What is okay, so he watched, he goes, he watches Everything Everywhere all at once on the plane. He calls me and he's like, I, and it's, it's clear he's struggling. He's like, I really wanted to like it, but I was very confused. And I was like, oh, okay, what were you confused about? He was like, I just, it's like she died at the end and, and then the movie was over. And, and I guess I, just, I feel like everyone seems to like it, but I don't get, and he was like clearly struggling because he was like, something is not right. Why does everyone love this movie? And I'm just having trouble understanding it. And I realized after like three minutes of conversation, what had happened was he had gotten faked out by the fake ending. There's a moment where things go really horribly wrong. And then you hit end credits for about 20 seconds and then the camera pulls out and you realize you're in a movie theater. It's still part of the movie, et cetera. He got faked out by it, shut the movie off, oh. thought that was the end and was sitting around feeling really distressed at the fact that he was not understanding this movie that everybody seemed to love. 
So I sat down with him and watched the movie all the way to the end. I think though that's I think that's why some people are so threatened by it is mm-hmm. I think there's this belief in the objective transcendent about art. This is just objectively good. Well, bullcrap. You can objectively say that there are there's a certain amount of skill put into a film oh, yeah. or into a work of art. You can say that, you know, objectively there's a certain amount of work put in or a certain amount of talent put in. But yeah, to, to judge the overall work is, is a very difficult thing to do. I got into like a raging argument with a friend like last week over, of all things, the Vietnam War Memorial and whether or not that's a good work of art. He hates it. I think it's a really strong piece of art. And it's a very interesting discussion in and of itself because that was designed by like a 21-year-old who I think was 19 when she put in her design. Because it was, des- it was um, that design was chosen by a national competition. It was a blind competition. Some random like Chinese-American student won it. And people were super pissed. <laughs> Because she had nothing to do with the Vietnam War. There was an argument that like she had no right to make the Vietnam War memorial because she had no connection to it. She was like a baby when the Vietnam War happened. Um, so there was that. It was a very interesting like because people make that argument sort of in the reverse now where they're like, oh, you know, the say like a Martin Luther King memorial should only be designed by a black artist, that kind of a thing. And people were making the argument, but about the Vietnam War with her. And there was a lot of prejudice because she was so young. But there was also a lot of arguments over the quality of her work because for anyone who doesn't know, the Vietnam War Memorial is done as it's like a it's a V in the ground. It is it is almost the opposite of a monument in that it is cut into the earth. It is extremely simple. And what some people wanted was something they felt that that took no skill to create just like a V in the ground. And they didn't understand the value or the emotional effect of it. And they wanted something more traditional, like a statue. Um, And there was a lot of back and forth and arguing, like she didn't do representational art. She didn't do statues. There was another person who did do statues. He ended up doing the three statues, um, the three figures that are at the other end of the Vietnam War Memorial. That was the compromise they did, was that you can have those three as a representational work of art, as long as we keep the thing that actually won the competition, which is this V in the ground. And they they sit there kind of awkwardly opposed to each other because they're two radically different pieces. But it's a very interesting example of this argument over what counts as good art. Because one can say there is no skill involved in cutting a V into the earth. Um, and there's a lot of skill involved in creating these these statues. I mean, even the even the woman who designed the memorial recognized that skill. She thought he had cast like the the people. She didn't understand that he had actually crafted them, like he had he had carved that himself, um, and that there was there was much made over that, right? The youth these days with their laziness and their whatever, but it is undeniable that people look at the Vietnam War Memorial and they are deeply moved by it. Well, so art is art is so subjective. I've had the same debate with friends over like, cause like I'm a fan of punk music, but some only some of it, like Minor Threat, no way, not a Dead Kennedys fan, but like Social Distortion or. A lot of the pop punk I really like is like, well, what skill does that take? And I'm like, I li- I've listened to virtuosic metal. It does nothing for me. I can recognize that's a level of guitarist I will never be because I don't have the time or the inclination. But like, 
Steve Vai is a better guitarist than I'll ever be. Joe Satriani, sure, but like it's not interesting for me to listen to. I'd rather listen to something simpler that I think is more heartfelt. So art's inherently subjective. So when you like, I, I think that's why a lot of people get really uncomfortable with the idea of, of a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once winning is because it is so deeply personal. I think it's a mm-hmm. very personal movie, and it's like, but it's it's also not very like, like. It doesn't have polish in the way that, say. Top Gun. Or, <laughs> or it's also not a traditional Oscar bait movie. Like, oh, yeah. I saw I, the trailers think... for Elvis and I'm like, oh, this is game. This is going for best picture. Like, that to me was the mo- one of the most exciting things about everything, everywhere, all at once. It was, it, it was clearly not Oscar bait. Like, it was not even trying. They were making a really odd little movie. That's kind of what A24 does, is they, they really celebrate the odd out there um it was an extremely non-traditional film that frankly by all accounts and measures should not have been anywhere near the oscars because it didn't have any of the qualities that the oscars usually looks for and yet it was emotionally powerful and yet it was super well performed and yet it's a really really great story and it's completely original it's doing something with cinema that i don't think anyone has tried to do before um, on on that type of a scale, and I'm really pleased to see the Academy. Regardless of whether or not you personally like everything, everywhere, all at once, I think we ought to recognize collectively that it is a very encouraging sign for those who are begging Hollywood for more original films. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that's. I don't like Marvel movies. I'm sick of Marvel movies. I've complained about that enough this episode, but like what else comes out these days very often? It's just another Marvel or another franchise movie. So right. it's it's neat to see that. And again, it's, it's, a, it's an indie film done by two friends about an immigrant family trying to, uh, the husband and wife trying to save their marriage, their traditional marriage. Uh, and it's about family values and, you know, the IRS is the bad guy. And you're trying to tell me this is somehow just, well, again, like, that's why like, well, nobody watches the, it's just confusing. And I'm like, that's just, just this is as, as major old man shakes fist at cloud energy, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's one more controversy that I don't think we even really necessarily need to discuss that often, that much. It's just the fact that Brendan Fraser's The Whale won best makeup. Um, right. Which is... I know they pioneered a new thing. They talked about it a little bit during their speech. I didn't really get a chance to look into it, but they were talking about digital makeup, mm-hmm. which is a, is that why the, is that what you're mentioning? No, in terms of the controversy or? is that they didn't hire an actual fat actor and there were people act, and that I'm quoting like activists. I'm not using the, the, the word fat as a slur. Um, they, they, you know, people saying like this, they literally just gave him, uh, an award for being, for not being fat. They're like, they, they, this movie, this, this movie's award is just, uh, an award for people not casting fact actors. Like, and it should, again, people like it should, Wakanda forever should have won best makeup. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like that movie is no really, Wakanda it, won best costume design yes which that's fine they deserve. that's fine absolutely but makeup I'm but like... in terms of their makeup i don't think they were doing anything particularly special okay so here's here's the other thing about the oscars right which is sort of parallel to our, our conversation about whether or not you can judge art objectively is they have all these technical categories that are meant to recognize specific technical skill in a specific technical area which should be a little bit more objective than the overall best picture 
right? That's kind of how they balance it out is they have these specific awards. And, and I think if we're going to talk about best makeup, you go for the people who were innovative in makeup and had to do a lot of makeup. Well, yeah, like like people got really mad at the picture of the fat suit that was put on the screen when they won the, the Oscar. And I'm like, that's Brendan Fraser in that. And as Brendan Fraser himself pointed out, he is not exactly thin. No, I think, yeah, he's a he's a big bone dude. He's a, right? he's, a, he's a big dude, and he's also a dude with chronic injuries. He car- He's carrying some oh. weight at the moment. He's Yeah, he really effed up his back. I forget what movie oh, he did it with. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but then there's also the fact that like it's like oh well we need to we need to like un unshame fat and this is this gives me complicated feelings because I'm teaching health psychology this semester and I'm doing some health psych research at the moment as well and there's a real two sided th- appeal to this because shame doesn't work for getting people healthy in fact one of the most important things you can do to become healthy is self compassion and that is to love yourself no jokes intended. That being said, love doesn't mean sit there and go, this is fine. And while, yes, hell, actually, Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, did a really good job of this with everything everywhere all at once. And like, yeah, that's the, the woman's in her 60s and she's not pretending that all women in their 60s look like, you know, I don't know, pick your pick, <laughs> Ursula Andress or something, right? Uh, but at the same time there's like the entire point of, of the whale is that this is a man who is in massive amounts of dysregulation he's not healthy he's destroying himself physically and it's like mm-hmm. yeah i'm sorry i'm a data guy uh mo- obesity is there's a reason the world health organization has made it the number one threat at the moment yeah. like look it does carry health risks yeah it's like i'm and like and for, and again, frankly, looking at the level of um, of first of all, the level again, the makeup design is just, is just it's amazing. It does not look like Brendan Fraser. Like when he's himself, he still kind of mm-hmm. he just looks like himself and a little older. Especially when you watch mm-hmm. interviews of him, he still talks and moves and has the same mannerisms. But when you watch that movie, you're like, this is Brendan Fraser. Especially right. if you like, and at no point would we want to put an actor through that. I think it would be unconscionable to ask an actor to maintain that kind of weight or put themselves or or gain up to that it would be impossible it would be that would is a that is a 10-year pro it's christian bale would try to do it sure and so it would not be lewis but it's the type of process that is the type of weight gain you can only make when you are somebody like brendan fraser in the well it is a year's years-long process with massive health risks and like if we're going to talk about outrage over nothing like sure angela bassett maybe you think she should have won and there's a healthy way to respond to that um sure maybe you're like everything everywhere all at once was confusing and you're just mad you wish the movies were more traditional i disagree but i i guess maybe you too feel victimized that you fell for a, a, a a fake credit scene but like the whale i'm like okay is everything just a a category like there again there are things to really be activist about Mm -hmm. we we have we have an i found out today there's an official moms group actively against uh emotional intelligence education in schools like they're trying to take that out of schools because like you know heaven forbid children uh gain some emotional intelligence it's not like it's you know 
If they want to like ban the movie Inside Out or something. No, they don't like the idea of uh, of literally like you know permission to feel like talking or empathy or you know talking about our feelings. Like that's the parents' decision if they want to hire a therapist. And I'm like, okay, what, what, whatever, what, yeah, what, whatever, Karen. Uh, but you're complaining about the fact that you're getting one for free. That it's is not. It's not even. It's just. It's just education shaped to like discuss feelings and stuff like that. It's a. It's a really healthy thing. Um. You know. There. There. I bring that up just because it's an example of an actual social problem we have that's going to have actual social consequences. But like, there's a reason that one of the primary areas health psychology focuses on is helping people like actually lose weight and get healthier. We don't have to say that we're pro people, you know, we're pro giving people anorexia to say that. And I think the discourse around the whale, win, winning best makeup, I don't, I don't see how you can even debate that. And I don't think it's dehumanizing considering that like, I mean, what's like, like it's an unhealthy decision. And I, I think. And, and from a, and from a technical perspective, that was the best makeup. Yeah. Like that is what the award is. Uh, again, the picture of Brendan Fraser they have up that during them taking home their a by the way, relatively diverse team of makeup artists um, winning. I, I agree that the picture itself was a little bit disturbing. I remember feeling a little bit disturbed looking at that specific picture. Yeah, I haven't seen. Um, but so also, that was my first. But like, does that picture look like Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Like when, well, his head is down, I think, uh, in that picture, so it's kind of hard yeah, to tell. Yeah, it is a little bit. I, know, I knew it was him because of the, yeah. the content of the movie. Like, I agree that that picture is maybe alarming. I don't know if it affects people's self-image. I know that like some folks who struggle with anorexia can be really can get really triggered by stuff like that. So I, I can see how some people were not happy. But like, to, for them to not win the award, again, it's it's the technical award for best. Yeah makeup like it's it's one of the technical it's one of the easier ones come on guys also um, can we can we please like focus like the magic of movies is very much in the special effects and i'm i'm mm -hmm. glad to see that field moving forward so i actually find i, I find also yeah. at least it's not friggin suicide squad winning something oscar <laughs> oscar winning movie I think a lot of art in general depends on the attitude you're going to take towards it and I think that a lot of, not maybe I'm about to sound conservative. I don't know. Can we just approach movies for the messages they're actually trying to send, as opposed to the messages we think they should send, or trying to like this is the deeper meaning of the movie. This is how we, you know, like and this and because this movie has this deeper meaning, it deserves to win. Look, if you want to engage in critical theory um, yeah. about a piece of content feel free. Like if you want to engage in critical film theory, I don't know, but that, that is what critical theory is, right? Like yeah. it's, it's engaging the work within its broader context of a specific subject. If you want to engage in critical theory about a movie, go for it. Um, but also you could try to understand what the movie is trying to say and appreciate it on its merits. And you'll be a happier and, person. <laughs> yeah. And like this, this goes for liberals and conservatives. I don't care. It's an every, it's an everybody problem. Well, now that we've thoroughly uh, reviewed the last year in film, um, the entire last, the entire year. last year. Also, okay, wait, wait. Before we do that, no discussion at all. Uh, no, no wins at all for Banshees of Inisherin, which eh, I think actually we should cover if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, and I'd be more than willing to cover it. I'm actually very interested in seeing it, but there's also a part of me that's like, eh, Martin McDonough will be fine. 
he will be fine. He, he will obviously be fine. But I am very curious um, to hear your thoughts on Banshees in that it is about very much the psychology of, of disagreements and friendships and how they fall apart. Okay, um, well, we can do that penultimately next. No, not penultimately. I want to do Andor next, and then we yes. got to stay with Andor because the Mandalorian's currently coming out. There's all this new Star Wars content, and then yes, I will find the Ben Cheese of Inishiran. I love Martin McDonough, so it's not like this is making me watch a movie. I've, it's a movie I even wanted to watch, just didn't get a chance because yeah, that's another one where I was like, I couldn't figure out the space where it should have won an Oscar, but I almost feel like it should have just because it was good. Best friendship should have won best, something. Best on-screen friendship, Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> no, it's more like the worst on-screen friendship. Fair, but Brendan Gleeson has a really good uh, energy with Colin Farrell. That's true. They they have great chemistry. But yeah, we'll be back to discuss Andor. I have plenty of thoughts on that, and I've seen it, so I'm excited to talk about that. We'll talk about the Banshees of Insurin. And yeah. Whatever else. If you guys have any thoughts on things we should cover, yeah. feel free to reach out to us. I will definitely start checking that email again now that we're off of break. <laughs> and yeah, feel free to shoot us an email at psychandcinema at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you.